Randy Bachman's Vinyl Tap, brought to you by You Discover Music Canada. Discover more about the world's greatest music. This is Randy Bachman, and you're listening to the Vinyl Tapcast. For a full list of songs played, visit randybachman.com slash vinyl tap and then hit the link. We're going to celebrate music from yesterday and today and glue it together with some stories and memories. Our theme this week is time travel. The golden age of classic rock, which is what you're listening to now, rock and roll, was about the early 60s to just past the middle 70s when disco came in and everything changed. There's a golden 12 to 15 years in there. We're going to celebrate that now. And we're going to start in the mid-60s and 1966. Going to love this show. 1967, I went to England with the Guess Who. We went to be the new Beatles. Guess what? It didn't happen. Kind of got shafted over there, but we were in England getting the spillover from 1966 when everything was happening in England there. We were there firsthand and saw this. I remember hearing this on the radio. It was 1966, written by the amazing Pete Brown, who wrote a lot of hits for this band. They were called Cream. Cream was Jack Bruce, who had just left the jazz band, Eric Clapton, who had just left the uh, Yardbirds, and Ginger Baker, incredible jazz drummer. You put these three guys together, they form one of the first power trios. Nineteen sixty-six, Cream, I feel free. That was Cream, I feel free. And if the guitar solo in the middle of that sounds a little familiar. It's kind of what uh, inspired me to play my guitar solo in American Woman a few years later. Um, Check those two out. That was Cream with I Feel Free. We're in 1966. We're going to take you through the year and what happened. And what was happening was USA versus the UK. USA versus the UK, back and forth. We had our big bands. We had the Beatles. We had the Stones. We also had these other bands coming out of nowhere like Cream, like Jimi Hendrix. And so every time the Beatles came out with a classic, we had Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys. Here's a song from 1966 written by Brian Wilson and Tony Asher. This reached number 39 on the Billboard charts. It was from the album called Pet Sounds. Uh, the lead singer on this is, was my buddy Carl Wilson, the younger brother from Brian Wilson. And I did the song with him many, many times on stage. We all know the Beach Boys was Brian Wilson, Dennis Wilson, Carl Wilson, their cousin Mike Love, and their friend from down the street, the luckiest guy in the world, Al Jardine. 1966, the Beach Boys with God Only Knows. The Beach Boys with God Only Knows What I'd Be Without You. Bouncing right back from the UK came the Beatles, 1966, from the album Revolver. Paul McCartney had a big argument, probably with John. (laughs) Those are the guys who were the creative forces in the Beatles and had a lot of friction between them, which came out and made really great music. 
once in a while, it ticked a guy off, and Paul McCartney walked out of the studio and did not contribute one thing to this recording. It's from 1966. It's John, Ringo, and George doing She Said, She Said. That was She Said, She Said by the Three Beatles without Paul. They had stormed out of the studio. So in 1965, I was touring with the Guess Who. We went to New York City. We did the Kingsman Louie Louie tour, and it was absolutely amazing. Shake On Over was top 20 in Billboard magazine. It was number one in Canada. And they had changed our name from Chad Allen and the Reflections to the Guess Who. We got back. Chad Allen, who was our lead singer, said, I don't like this. Nobody knows who I am. They keep calling me Guess Who. I want to go back to University of Manitoba, and he did. And instead of the band breaking up, I went to the next best band in Winnipeg, the Deverons, whose lead singer was named Burton Cummings. Burton was about 17 or 18 years of age when I asked him to join the Guess Who. He joined the band. We went down in early 1966 to Minneapolis and recorded in a studio there that was famous for recording Dave Dudley's Six Days on the Road and the trash man doing Everybody Knows About the Bird, 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 That really crazy song. We thought, gee, that's a great studio. We went down and recorded this song that I wrote. So here's Mr. Burton Cummings, 1966. And I want to tell you, by the time we hit These Eyes, which is in 1969, which we'll get to a couple of shows from now, we had released over 30 singles. We kept trying and trying and trying and trying. So here's the first single. Written by me, Burton Cummings on the vocal, Gonna Search. was the Guess Who with Burton Cummings doing his first recording session with the Guess Who. And you can see we were pretty much a garage punk band at that time, like getting into pop music. And you're going to be getting into that because in 1966, we were just getting rolling with Burton Cummings. Our time machine this week goes back to 1966, the golden era where classic rock was beginning. The competition between the UK and the USA, and let's, let's put Canada in there because we were competing as well, and the rest of the world. I'm going to go back to the Beatles, and back then in the 60s, they had a thing called the graduated tax system, which existed in the UK and in Canada. That is, the more money you made, the more tax you paid. So if you made $100,000, you might have paid, oh, 60% tax which left you with $40,000. If you made a million dollars, you would pay over 90% tax. That would leave you less than what you made if you made 100,000. The government would get a, a graduated percentage. When George Harrison made his first million dollars and got his big check to put in the bank and thought, gee, I could buy a car and a house, and he was pulled from his first million pounds that he had less than 10,000 left. 
he wrote this song and he he names the tax minister in England at the time, Mr. Heath and stuff. So here's George Harrison with his great song from 1966 called Tax Man. Let me tell you That was Taxman by the Beatles with Mr. Paul McCartney playing the cool lead guitar in that track. We're celebrating 1966, and just to flash you back to that era, that's when Batman series started on television, Adam West. It was like a comic book put on the screen. I remember they would punch somebody and that would come, pow, it would come on the screen, pow, biff, smash, kick, ouch. All these words would be put in little clouds, just like the comic book. Also, what started was a legendary that is still going today, Star Trek debuts, starring the Canadian Captain Kirk, William Shatner, who's an amazing guy. So Star Trek debuted in 1966, and they started to put warning labels on cigarette packs in America saying, this causes cancer. So we're rocking and rolling in 1966. We were very lucky in the mid-60s that we had our own poet, laureate, if you want to call him that. His name was Robert Zimmerman. He was from Minnesota, and he changed his name to Bob Dylan. He wrote lyrics like we had never heard before. He came out of the folk era playing acoustic guitar and harmonica and then switched to a Stratocaster guitar, got booed off stage, played all over the world where he got booed off stage because they wanted acoustic folk, and this guy was into bringing something new. He still played his acoustic folk, but he also did this kind of stuff. Here's Bob Dylan, 1966, Rainy Day Women, number 12, from the album Blonde on Blonde. the pride of Hibbings, Minnesota, Mr. Bob Dylan with Rainy Day Women, number 12. So when the Beatles made it big, of course, everyone was looking to England for what is next. And right parallel to them, what's happening, which was a different kind of band. The Beatles were very pop-oriented and very British music hall-oriented. Then out came a band named after an old blues record called Rolling Stones, just like a Rolling Stone, and they were called the Rolling Stones. The songs were written by Mick Jagger and Keith Richards. This song is from an album called Aftermath. It's from 1966, and it's about what some women need to help them through the day. Sometimes it's um, one or two or three or five or six cups of coffee, and sometimes it's a thing called Mother's Little Helper, which I think is a little pill. Here's the Stones, 1966. Mother's Little Helper. What a drag it is getting old Kids are different today I hear every mother say Mother needs something today To calm her down And though she's not really ill There's a little yellow pill She goes running for the... That was the rolling who were rocking and rolling there with Mother's Little Helper. 
So London being the center of music there in England, one of the centers besides L.A., California, where the Beach Boys was New York City. And out of New York City, I mean, it's such a dense area of the USA with Philadelphia there and Long Island and Boston, and out came a lot of music. This band was called the Rascals, the Young Rascals, and they consisted of Dino Dinelli, the lead singer, and Felix Cavalier, who played keyboard and sang, wrote a lot of their songs, Eddie Brigatti, and Gene Cornish, who was a Canadian guy, a guitar player. Here's the Young Rascals, 1966, Good Lovin'. I was feeling so bad. I asked my family doctor just what I had. That was The Young Rascals with Good Lovin'. Great, great song. Winnipeg Strikes Back. We're fighting against the monster out there, the big hit machine, the Guess Who from 1966. Another song written by me called Clock on the Wall. And Neil Young has told me this is one of the favorite songs that I've ever written that he really likes. And I don't know why, but it was a pretty cool song. Burton Cummings doing the vocal. 1966, the Guess Who with Clock on the Wall. Says 12 noon Guess I better get up soon The clock on the wall Says 20 to 1 And there's things to be done It's amazing to hear that A young 17-year-old Burton Cummings I'm on tour with Burton Cummings right now We just played a bunch of gigs in Ontario We played Grand Forks, BC It was incredible Eight or nine or ten thousand people there in BC It was just a great, beautiful summer night and we will continue, and we are playing the Backman Cummings set of probably about two hours of 30 hit songs on September the 3rd at the PE, the Pacific National Exhibition in Vancouver, BC. That night we'll be featuring, uh, like I said, 20 or 30 hit songs that are from the Guess Who BTO, Burton's solo, and my solo careers. I will also take my recovered Gretsch that I got in Japan on J uh, Canada Day, July the 1st and be playing the beginning of the set with that 57 Gretsch that I've got back after all this time uh, with um, New Mother Nature and No Sugar Tonight and then that guitar is going on the stand and I'm going to pick it up for the last song which is Taking Care of Business which played all the guitar on TCB. That's what we're doing. Backman and Cummings. That's with the early Burton Cummings and now we're going to go to what was happening in the States. We already played Bob Dylan. He was like the poet laureate. He wrote a couple of great songs like Tambourine Man, and which is what the Birds did. A folk rock band took his song, Hey Mr. Tambourine, made it a hit, and then they started to write their own songs. This is written by Gene Clark, who was the lead singer at the time, Jim McQuinn, who was the guitar player, and Dave Crosby, who later went on from the Birds to Crosby, Stills & Nash. They were flying from L.A. to London. They looked out the window, and they were prompted to write a song called Three Miles High, didn't sound right. Four miles high didn't sound right. They're not flying that high, but you, when you write a song, you got to put in what sings better. And they decided on that eight miles high sounded better. So they wrote eight miles high. This is really a great song. It involves kind of like an Indian raga in the guitar solo. Jim McGuinn is playing his 12-string Rickenbacker guitar. 1966, The Birds, Eight Miles High. Thank you. 
That was The Birds with Eight Miles High. We're going to kick off this segment now with a double trouble or double bubble, double the fun, with the Rolling Stones 1966, a song called Under My Thumb, written by Jagger and Richards, and the Beatles with Paperback Writer, written by Lennon and McCartney. back-to-back with the Stones and the Beatles. You're listening to Randy Bachman's Vinyl Tap, presented this week by You Discover Music Canada. Discover more about the world's greatest music. We are taking a ride on the rock and roll time machine to the origin, the beginnings of classic rock, the mid-60s, the incredible music that came out of there that we are still celebrating to this day on all the classic rock stations all around the world. UK... USA, Canada, we're all in there fighting for dominance. And other acts are popping up around the world to get into this new world stage of this new thing called classic rock. We didn't call it that then, we just called it rock and roll. But it's an evolution coming out of the R&B that was in the late 40s, early 50s. Put it all together, it's called rock and roll. And everybody gives it their own little spices at the end. Here's a band from London, from actually Andover, Hampshire in England. They're called the Trogs. The drug consisted of Pete Staples, Ronnie Bond, Chris Britton, and the lead singer, Reg Presley. He was very famous for wearing a striped suit and bending over on stage and ripping the seat out of his pants all the time. And he had this great big hit song called Wild Thing. Wild Thing was written by Chip Taylor, who is, amazingly enough, the brother of John Voight, the actor, whose daughter is Angelina Jolie. So Chip Taylor is Angelina Jolie's uncle. How's that for a cool thing? This song reached number one on the Billboard charts by the Trogs in 1966, and then again later on in the late 60s, Mr. Hendrix did it at Woodstock and Monterey and made Wild Thing a new psychedelic three-chord rock blues song. Here's the original from 1966, Reg Presley on vocals, the Trogs, Wild Thing. You make my the lyrics in that are so silly, but they're so great. Okay, just a guy saying it to a girl going a little crazy. You make my heart sing. That was really cool. It was the Trogs. We fight back again against England. The Beach Boys, Brian Wilson. This guy was amazing. I grew up with the Beach Boys. I've toured with them. I know Brian really well and Carl. I know the whole band really well. Whenever they play, 
I go and hang out with him backstage. We uh, we have dinner together. We say the blessing before we go on stage together. Before they go on stage, they ask for a good vibe between them all and to connect with the crowd. It's really a family kind of thing when I hang out with the Beach Boys. They retaliated with this song, which changed pop music, 1966. This was written by Brian Wilson and Mike Love, who is the lead singer in a lot of the songs. Brian sang lead, so did Carl. But the thing about the Beach Boys and the Beatles, the really good bands, and the Eagles, you have different lead singers, and they give each song a slightly different texture. But when the band is playing, you still know if the Eagles are the Beatles or the Beach Boys. This song took nine months to record in six different studios, and Brian Wilson would move around because one studio had a great drum sound in the room. He'd record the drums there. Then he would take the tapes and go to another studio that had a good room for vocals. And then you just didn't record the person or the drums. You recorded the room. You had a big mic at the top of the room and you got the sound of the room. And that's why those records all sounded different. They all had different rooms. Rather than everybody using the same machine or plug-in that gave it reverb or gave it echo or gave it treble or gave it bass, it was the rooms that counted. This song was voted the number one single in the world in 1966-1967. This is a music and world-changing song called Good Vibrations. Nobody even knew what Good Vibrations meant at the time. It came out of California. Mike Love came up, but she's giving me Good Vibrations. Like, what does that mean? Uh, a car vibrates when the, when the wheels are out of alignment. The whole thing shakes. That gave vibrations a new home within people. And you're getting a vibe from persons. So here's the Beach Boys, 1966, a world-changing song. I'm picking up Good Vibrations featuring the theremin. People thought it was a female voice, a woman's voice. It's a thing called the theremin, which all it does is make that noise. You raise your hand up and down, and that, that makes the pitch on. It's almost like a trombone where you're sliding the valve. Here's the Beach Boys, Good Vibrations. I, I love the colorful clothes she wears. And the way the sunlight plays upon her hair I hear the sound of a gentle word On the wind that lifts her perfume through the air I'm picking up good vibrations That was the Beach Boys with Good Vibrations. What was going on at that time is you would release an album and you would pick a single for the radio. And then the radio and the public were so hungry for it, they would play more album cuts and you would release more singles. So some of these bands, the Stones, the Beach Boys, the Beatles, they put out a single every month. And some of them, there's a time when out of the top 10, the Beatles had nine songs when they played on Ed Sullivan in 1964. The same thing happened a lot. People couldn't get enough of this music. They were just gobbling it up and it was fantastic. The Beatles Strike Back, 1966, a song called Nowhere Man. Way back in the early 60s, when the Beatles were doing Ed Sullivan, the head of Rickenbacker Guitars flew to New York and gave John Lennon the first Rickenbacker 12-string guitar. John didn't like it. He gave it to George. John liked a smaller guitar, he had smaller hands, so John ended up with a three-quarter-sized Rickenbacker guitar, which is also the same thing that John Fogarty played and Tom Petty played in later years. And then other companies said, well, they're using Rickenbacker guitars, let's send them a bunch of Fenders. So Fender Guitars sent a bunch of Fender amps and guitars and basses to the Beatles, and they were able to then put a Fender Jazz or Precision bass on their instead of Paul McCartney's Hofner bass. 
and they got Stratocaster guitars and plugged them into Fender amps and got a new sound for the Beatles. Up to then, their sound had been uh, Gibson acoustic and Gretsch electric guitars. Here's a song called Nowhere Man, written by Lennon and McCartney, and they had gotten two beautiful blue Robin's Egg Blue Stratocaster guitars from Fender, and the solo on this, imagine how hard this would be. The solo on this is John and George playing the identical solo twice into the board, rolling off all the bottom end, which makes it very trebly, and rolling off the bottom end and making the guitar as bright as they possibly could so it would stand out on the radio. That's what gave this record its incredible sound. The two of them playing identical notes. You can't even tell it's two guys. It's just so perfect. Here's 1966 The Beatles' Nowhere Man with John and... George playing the lead guitar. He's a real nowhere man sitting in his nowhere land making all his nowhere plans for nobody doesn't have a point of view knows not where he's going to isn't he a bit like He's a real nowhere man, John Lennon, Paul McCartney, and the Beatles. Fighting back against England putting out singles with their bands, stuff's coming out of Canada, stuff's coming out from all over the States and around the world. This comes out of uh, the USA. His name is Wilson Pickett. The original of this was written by Chris Kanner. It's called Land of a Thousand Dances. It's a great song that has features, na, 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 which everybody can sing along with right away. My story of Wilson Pickett was I'm doing a charity broadcast on television in Toronto where when you do a charity show, you go on and do two or three songs. You say, please phone in your pledge to whatever the charity is for, and you do a couple of songs. You don't get paid your normal fee for that. You get a little bit of money called an honorarium. They give you a hotel, which is sponsored. That's the hotel contributing to the charity. So basically everything is a freebie weekend. And they give you a little honorarium, which you're really happy to put in your pocket. It might be a $500, like $100, five $100 bills. You give one to each guy in the band, or you keep the $500 yourself if you're doing it yourself. I'm staying in this hotel, freebie room next to Wilson Pickett. There's an adjoining door joining a room, but we don't open the door. I'm respecting his privacy and he's respecting mine, but I can hear him through the door. And after we did our show, they came to us and said, we don't have any money. We can't pay you your honorarium. So your room is free. Here's a snack table. And the snack is like Ritz crackers and cheese and, and salami with sweat on it. I'm in my room that night and I hear coming through the door. This is Wilson Pickett's voice, which I can't do. You'll get it when you hear the song. They can't do that to me. Don't they know I am Wilson Pickett? I am Wilson Pickett. They can't not pay me. They got to pay me. I am Wilson Pickett. I looked at my road manager and I said, I know I am Randy Backman and I didn't get paid and Wilson ain't getting paid either. We didn't get paid. Here's Wilson Pickett with Land of a Thousand Dances, 1966, striking back and putting his... Mark on pop music. He had over 50 songs that made the R&B and pop charts. Wilson Pickett. One, two, three. One, two, Ow. 
Wilson Pickett with Land of a Thousand Dances, 1966. You discover music Canada. Discover more about the world's greatest music. Hi, I'm Randy Bachman. It's time again for another special You Discover Music capsule. This week, we celebrate the odds of a new box set from Blondie called Against the Odds, 1974 to 1982. It's a special reissue, including some of the band's biggest hits from its beginning to its chart-topping success. Coincidentally, this last weekend, I was scouring the Netflix and things like that, and I saw this documentary on Blondie. I was mesmerized. It was fantastic. They started out as a punk band in the CBGB era in the early 70s in New York City and became one of the world's greatest pop bands. How they got together with their producer from England, how the band got called Blondie. It's just a great thing. So you discover music has got this ready for you. Debbie Harry and the other seven guys became one of the best rock pop bands in the world. Their commercial success began when an Australian TV countdown show played the B-side of an intended single. The mistake paid off and the band went to number two on the Aussie charts. Then they did an album. In September 1978, Parallel Lines was released and included such hits as One Way or Another and Heart of Glass. The band was on its way to worldwide success. Still, after five decades, it's almost impossible to get through a day without hearing a Blondie song, Rapture, One Way or Another, or this song, Call Me. Call Me from Blondie's career-defining box set Against the Odds, 1974 to 82. That's available now from youdiscovermusic.ca. You've got to go to this website, youdiscovermusic.ca. They've got incredible treasures up there. You Discover Music Canada. Discover more about the world's greatest music. Youdiscovermusic.ca. When Burton Cummings joined the Guess Who, he was about 17. In England, the same thing was happening. A 17-year-old kid by the name of Steve Winwood joined the Spencer Davis group. This kid could sing like Ray Charles. He played Hammond organ very, very well. He played piano and he played a Stratocaster guitar. They wrote this song together. Steve Winwood, Spencer Davis, and his brother, Muff Winwood, the bass player in the Spencer Davis group. 1966, Steve Winwood on the guitar, the piano, the organ, and the lead vocal. Gimme, gimme some lovin'. The incredible Steve Winwood on vocals there. Spencer Davis Group, Gimme, Gimme Some Lovin'. All right, we are rocking and rolling. Fighting back from Winnipeg, Manitoba. One of the first songs Burton Cummings wrote and sang lead on, and when I auditioned him for the Guess Who because I needed a new lead singer, I got him to sing two songs. 
Danny Boy, <laughs> and also The Rising Sun, because one was a great ballad, the other one was like, got into screaming like, my daddy was, when they're screaming that. I had the same thing later on, 10 years later, when I got Fred Turner to join BTO. I had him sing, oh, Danny Boy, and House of the Rising Sun. So here's Burton Cummings from that first album when he joined the band in 1966 with a song that he sang, and he's doing it very much like Eric Burden from Eric Burden and the Animals, who was a great singer at the time, uh, who came out of Birmingham, just like the Spencer Davis group we just played. And so here's Burton Cummings doing his emulation of Eric Burden and us trying to be like the animals, a song that Burton wrote, and it's called Seven Long Years. the hard rock pile I've been seven long years working on the hard rock pile and if I get to San Francisco you'll see me wearing a smile Mr. Burton Cummings sing children sing his song he wrote and sang his first effort with the guess who in 1966 seven long years we can see that classic rock is beginning there in like 63, 64 when the Beatles were on Ed Sullivan and everything was exploding and radio was changing its face and its ears and playing different kind of music. And you know the big studios you knew were Nashville, Memphis, Chicago, New York, Los Angeles and maybe San Francisco. And then you hear about a studio and a label coming out of Detroit, Michigan and it's called Motown. Well, what does that mean? Motortown. Oh, I get it. Motown Records. Cruel. They have a studio. Yeah, a guy bought a house and he put a studio in the basement. I go to see this studio. In the basement, there's no cement floor. It's it's earth. So they have a stake hammered in the floor, a wood stake, which holds the bass drum in place, and they're, they're recording. And they had a great sound. And then they built that up to be Motown Records. They had this band, The Temptations. They had The Supremes, they had Stevie Wonder, they had Marvin Gaye. They went on and on and on and changed the world drastically. A great part now of classic rock is this music out of Detroit. Here are The Temptations, 1966, written by Whitfield and Edward Holland. And this band deserves a salute because not only were they in this band called The Temptations, they had their own solo careers as well, after David Ruffin, Melvin Franklin, Otis Williams, Eddie Kendricks, and Paul Williams. Here are the Temptations, 1966, Ain't Too Proud to Beg. I know you want to leave me, but I refuse to let you go. If I have to beg, plead for your sympathy, I don't mind, cause you mean that much to me. Temptations with Ain't Too Proud to Beg. And that was later covered by the Rolling Stones four or five years later. They liked that song so much. So here's the world now competing with the UK and the USA and a little bit of Canada putting out bands that are making this new pop music that kind of becomes, it's not pop anymore. It's rock and roll. It's got heavy beats. It's heavy bass. Here's a band from Spain. This is the big hit single. It was a big hit single around the world. The band consists of Mike Kogel, Antonio Martinez, Manuel Fernandez, Miguel Vincent Dunnis, and Pablo Gomez. The song is called Black is Black. The band is called Los Bravos, which means the brave. 
1966. It features an incredible bass that inspired a lot of guys to pick up and play the bass guitar. Here we are going on in 1966. What happened in 1966? The Sound of Music won the Academy Awards. We all remember The Sound of Music. The Hills are alive with The Sound of Music and what a great family movie that was. And the U.S. deaths in Vietnam tripled, leading to outbreaks and anti-war protests. It was turmoil time politically in the USA and musically. Contributing to the world rock and roll stage is Here's Lost Bravos 1966, Black is Black. Wow, Los Bravos, Black is Black. I hope you're enjoying this online edition of Vinyl Tap. Here's some ways to get in touch. Send this mail to Randy's Vinyl Tap, P.O. Box 2100, Sydney, B.C., V8L3S6. Mail goes to mailbag at randysvinyltap.com or phone the tap line 1-844-827-4323. And for a full list of songs played on this podcast, visit randybackman.com and click the link. So when I got back in 1965 from the Kingsman Louie Louie tour, the first guy I met in Winnipeg was Mr. Neil Young. And he said, what's it like out there? I said, you got to get out of Winnipeg. He had a band, Neil Young and the Squires. And so he got into his hearse, an old hearse that he had bought called Mortimer, and put all his gear in the back and drove to Thunder Bay, played the 4D there, the fourth dimension, which is the coffeehouse nightclub there, and met a guy named Stephen Stills. They then split and went their own way, but happened to have a chance meeting in L.A. a couple of months later and decided to play and form a band together and call it Buffalo Springfield. I remember then in late 65 or early 66, Neil came back to Winnipeg from L.A. He called me up. We went to the radio station, CKRC, and he played me an acetate, which is a precursor of the record of his album of this band called Buffalo Springfield. Uh, He had gotten together with Stephen Stills. He had Richie Furet also on another vocal. And they had formed a band that I was in love with, as was the rest of the world, because they had three lead singers, three songwriters, three lead guitar players. They sang great harmony. They were the precursors of the Eagles and every other country rock band that came after that. Written by Neil Young, we're going to give you Flying on the Ground is Wrong. And this song was also recorded by me and the guests too. When we went to England in 1967, we needed a song to record. We were the first band to record a Neil Young song. So we're going to give you Flying on the Ground is Wrong, written by Neil, and we're also going to give you the classic for what it's worth that Stephen Stills wrote about what's going on in L.A. and all over the world in the, the late 60s. So here's 1966 Buffalo Springfield, a double header for what it's worth and Flying on the Ground is Wrong. happening here What it is ain't exactly clear There's a man with a gun over there Telling me I got to beware I think it's time we stop 
children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down. Classic songs from Buffalo Springfield, 1966. We've reached the end of the show. The ride is over. Thanks for jumping on board the time machine. If you like the ride, come on back. In six days and 22 hours, we will be here. And we'll have some more fun together. This music is great. This was produced by Todd Elvich. The research was Tal Backman. I'm Randy Backman. Thank you very much for tuning in. Keep the rock rolling. Think you do something green. And come on back to the tap. Next week, we continue 1966 into 67. And that's it for now. I'll be back with another Vinyl Tapcast very soon.